Hello, I'm William Stewart. Welcome back to our podcast on the major themes of Scripture. As I describe every week, this is an important study in Scripture where we bring together all the verses in the Bible that relate to uh, Bible themes that are important to us as believers in the church. So this relates uh, especially to salvation, security salvation, uh, our Christian walk. And uh, currently we're in the Christian walk section. So please look at the prior videos and uh, podcast, listen to the podcast for very important prior information. So this is a biblical theology, which we're using to describe these themes, just scripture itself. So as a reminder, there are other uh, theological traditions, very fine theologians uh, for which you can read. Uh, Augustine, <clears throat> Charles Ryrie, uh, um, that uh, Fr- Francis Schaeffer, that this people who hold to the Word of God and have are, are, are theologians that, that have given wonderful, uh, extensive treatment to the area of theology. This course is meant to be uh, all-inclusive course, which by the end will provide the uh, foundation, foundational knowledge of these important themes, so you should feel competent in in what you know and describing these to yourself and importantly to other people. Importantly, I'm not trying to make you me. A lot of these areas are controversial and ultimately you really need to learn Bible study methods, which you can learn on our Teleos website, uh, teleosresearch.com. And uh, you need to discover these facts for yourself and build your own <clears throat> biblical theology out of faith using appropriate uh, uh, Bible study methods, and in checking with me and other theolo- and, uh, and theologians regarding making sure you're not getting off off track. They'll they'll keep you on track. So uh, again, please visit the website. Uh, read my disclaimer. Ask questions. Get the notes. Uh, that are there for each lesson, uh, make, leave a comment. And if you have a question, we will try to address this back to you on the program. So thank you for joining me today. We're in a, a great uh, topic on the structure of the church. Last time we talked about the function of the church. Today, the structure of a church. Now, uh, again, uh, full disclosure, this is a very controversial comment. I'm trying to go directly from Scripture uh, many of you are in, uh, hopefully all, almost all of you are in a uh, defined church structure uh, in which you worship and serve uh, God. And uh, they will have a way of doing things that are related to an established denomination. Or if they're independent church, they will still have their own processes. So this lesson will give you a biblical foundation. So when you look at your church and other churches, you know what is there and what is not there. Now, if uh, particularly in major denominations, if there are things in their doctrinal statement and their processes that add to Scripture or maybe, in your opinion, differ from Scripture, that doesn't mean you leave the church. That's where you serve. Uh, You'll have to make that judgment yourself, but you'll at least know uh, where they fit and, and where they don't fit in terms of Scripture. Uh, again, um, I will try to make this as unbiased as possible, but 
you may disagree with how I handle it. And that is if you're uh, out of faith, believe you're consistent with scripture and not just uh, feelings or, or what other people have said that's there. If you believe you out of faith, you know what's there and, and you disagree, then then that's OK, too. So uh, we both are still learning uh, to be the best, most knowledgeable servants as we can. So general structure of the church. Well, this is a good description of Ephesians 2 right at the end of the chapter. It's in the form of a temple that Christ is the cornerstone. What's and this is described um, in three verses in the Old Testament in terms of prophecy, and it, it's related to the New Testament here. So again, major themes in the Old Testament that have theological importance, is, importance are wrapped up nicely in the New Testament. It's an amazing thing, the unity of Scripture. And um, in Ephesians 2, Christ is said to be the cornerstone. The cornerstone is what lays out in a new building the plan of that building from which the rest of the structure rests, and that is Christ. So the foundation then are the apostles and prophets. We know the apostles were the 12 original apostles of Christ that were with him in his ministry on earth. Now, the prophets here can be controversial. I think that they at least would be the Old Testament prophets, but even that is not clear. We're talking about the church here, so it might just be New Testament prophets, but the Old Testament prophets told us about Messiah. And so, in, in, at least in an indirect way, that foundation is based on them partially. Now, who are the New Testament prophets? Well, we know at least Christ is a New Testament prophet. Um, we know that <clears throat> John the Baptist prophesied. We know that um, <clears throat> the disciples who wrote scripture prophesied. Now, there are some other people who are named as prophets which may or may not be prophets, uh, like uh, the Apostle Philip's daughters, four daughters, and Agabus. It, it's a little unclear. There was also the position of prophet. Otherwise, they may have declared themselves as prophets, prophets but may or may not have actually been prophets of God. And um, <clears throat> that is... Um, uh, again, a determination that we, we all need to make out of faith ourselves. So then there was the position of prophet uh, in the early church. And this is attested to by other documents outside the New Testament, where people <clears throat> were <clears throat> telling forth, at a minimum, God's message. And that this is what the, what the word uh, prophecy meant in the Greek, prophetia, that uh, generally meant the telling forth of information versus what was called the monotis, another position in the Greek, which told the future. So while the early church was being formed in order to develop the church rapidly, God appeared to mature some people more rapidly to be able to tell forth his message to the early church. And this uh, sort of position as the other uh, certain positions of extra maturity as described in Ephesians 4, 
and maybe in Romans 12, my thought went away. Again, this is controversial because of Ephesians 4, because it said that these positions in verse 11 were up until the time that the church matured um, and were filled and matured. And using words that uh, like teleos, like our our mission, um, pleroma, the filling, which meant in an abstract way mature, things that could be accomplished in a person's life. Otherwise, it didn't, the other scriptures relate uh, frequently that being teleos and pleros, uh, uh, pleromos, um, uh, being filled in a mature way is something we can accomplish in our own Christian life. So I think this occurred at the time of the fulfillment of Scripture, when the when the um, or the writing down of Scripture, when we got the biblical letters that could be passed around among the churches. Those extra people who were special evangelists and were special teachers and prophets were no longer needed, and thus they went away because we know now that Christ speaks that God speaks through Christ at the time of the church. And it's Christ uh, through the apostles that, and through the giving of the Holy Spirit, that information that gave us the New Testament. <clears throat> so uh, that is um, brought to an end, I believe, the use of the, of the apostles and the prophets as they died off uh, by the end of the first uh, generation of Christians in the, in the early church. Again, this is controversial. You'll have to work this out for yourself. I think is most consistent with Scripture in that those positions were not needed anymore. So then there's also the aspect that the church is related to the kingdom. We know that we, as we minister in the, as a New Testament church structure, uh, that were also part of the kingdom. And how does the kingdom relate to the church? Well, again, very controversial. We know that the kingdom is promised to the Jews in the Old Testament. That, in a real sense, is their salvation, uh, when they would have peace and security and enough food and, and God dwelling with them uh, in Jerusalem. So Christ came to present that kingdom as we read in Matthew 3 and Matthew 10 and Matthew 4, but they the Jews rejected them. So Christ then took that kingdom away from them, as he says in Matthew 22, he says to the Pharisees, and instituted the time of the church. In that time, he also gave the Holy Spirit, which brought the spiritual aspects of the kingdom, but not the geographical aspects of the kingdom. So, yes, we do minister into the kingdom in the physical realm or the spiritual realm. It'll only be when Christ returns and rules the world personally in the thousand year reign that we'll see that kingdom completed in the geographical sense. So, yes, the church relates to the spiritual kingdom. Okay, so we've had two analogies of the church so far. In terms of structure, that it is uh, related to the temple, the foundation of Jesus Christ, based on the uh, found, excuse me, the cornerstone of Christ and the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And I didn't say, I apologize, 
that the building blocks of the individual church members that are built into the holy temple of God. And then also, number two, that the church is related to the spiritual aspect of the kingdom. All right, then. Second question is, what, what is a church leadership? Well, the church leadership for the mature church doesn't relate to all the special positions given in Ephesians 4. Um, it relates to the elders and the deacons and maybe women in some role. So the elders then lead the church. They are described as either the Presbyteros in Greek or the Episcopos, elders meaning the aged, um, wise ones, the Episcopos, sort of the ruling. I'm going to visit and audit you and make, make sure you're doing okay. Most people believe that's the same position. And these positions and the qualities are described in 1 Timothy 3, uh, Titus 1, and 1 Peter uh, 5, right at the beginning of the chapter, also in, in terms of attitude, and 1 Timothy 5, in terms of um, if there's a complaint against the elder. But generally, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 give those characteristics. So what do the elders do? Well, they lead the church. Now, functionally, into the second and third generation, when there became a lot of churches, there needed to be a, uh, an additional the layer. The church added an additional layer. So they took what was called uh, the Episcopos, or become the bishop, and put them above the presbyos, which was the pastor <clears throat> inside the individual churches, in, in order to create a higher structural um, a unit in order to accomplish things. So uh, they actually, in Scripture, it's told that they rule the body of Christ. This may include teaching, dealing with financing, discipline, and, and providing social helps. And uh, they are not to lord their position over people, but to do it willingly. Now, the second position are the deacons, and this actually came out earlier in, uh, than actually the elders in, uh, in Acts 6. The deacons are a subordinate role to the elders, and their qualities are described in the middle portion of uh, 1 Timothy 3. They can be delegated. The work that they do is up to the elders, so it's not specifically defined. Now, in this section also are the women described. Now, some people say these are the wives of the deacons. I'm not sure why this is the case. Maybe. It could be also that women are given uh, more uh, some special role, recognition or position in the church that would not um, require a ruling over a man, as it says in First Timothy 2. It doesn't say what that is, but it does seem like the church is free uh, to, at least in, in my analysis, to use women to help carry on the uh, work of the church, and they're very important, I think, in this role. So again, whether you think they're a deacon or just the wives here, and that's really uh, up to you uh, to, to discern for yourself. All right, so in summary, and, and this is important, in terms of church structure, you can see what I've outlined to you is very loose, and that's the beauty of the church. Uh, and where other religions, when they when they come into an area and if they take over, they demand that society and often the government 
uh, also obey and conform to what the religion says, as well as the religion, not Christianity. God was wise enough in the scripture he gave. It's loose enough that the church can take the form of it's flexible enough to take the form uh, based on the time and the culture. And doesn't have to come in and take over the culture. It doesn't have to come in and take over the government. Uh, it's there to minister the gospel and the word of God. And there's great flexibility in terms of how it is arranged. So then practically, how is the church structure arranged today? Well, there's three basic forms of church government that are present uh, today. And the first one is, uh, and you will know these, hierarchical. So these are the churches that will have a head of the church, and generally there's bishops under them, and below them are the individual pastors of the church. Good example of this is the Catholic Church and the uh, Methodist Church. Now, you, you could say, well, there's not good biblical evidence that I've mentioned that says that's how a church should be, right you are. But that's how these churches, hopefully out of faith, have decided to structure themselves. Second is the congregational. And this is where the congregation itself, each congregation is independent. And so there's a, there's a freedom there. Uh, examples of this are the Southern Baptists in the United States and the congregational church. So typically, the head pastor is the one elder of the church. Uh, there's only one, and then the deacons under him will then be the ruling of, uh, well, the pastor rules, but the deacons underneath will help rule the church uh, together with the pastor, uh, with the pastor being the, the head of the church. Third form is the federal form, and this is the elder rule system. Generally, the pastor is one of the elders. He's the teaching elder, and then the group of elders, and they head the church as opposed to the congregational church, where the people in the congregation will make decisions um, about how the uh, major decisions about how the church is governed and uh, nominate and vote on new deacons. Uh, in the federal system, generally the, the elders will rule the church. They'll nominate the elders, though sometimes the church body will approve them. Uh, the examples of, of this uh, form of government are the Presbyterian churches and often independent believing Bible churches will take the federal system. All right. OK, great. What we've covered today are the general church structure uh, in Scripture and exam practical examples from today. So we we know in Scripture that the church is, uh, uh, there's a type of church at the temple based on Christ being the cornerstone, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the building stones of the individual churches to form the temple of God. We also know it relates to the spiritual aspects of the kingdom. And then the churches have great then flexibility when it comes to practically developing governmental structure depending on the times, depending on the culture. With elders at the head, helped by the deacons, uh, seems like they've, they're helped by the women then in some recognized way um, to accomplish the work 
to the deacons and to the women uh, you know, as the elders would have them uh, do their work. We then noted there are three major forms practically of church structures today, the hierarchical, the congregational, and also the federal. All right, a lot to take in, interesting stuff. Uh, hope that was helpful. Again, um, notes are on the website. Leave a comment, leave a question. Uh, we'll continue our interesting and important uh, path through the theology, the themes of how to live the Christian life. Next time, please join me then. Goodbye for now.